Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. It is a brand new season and a brand new competition for Edinburgh and Glasgow. We've got a hell of a lot to look forward to. So as usual, it is David, Matt and Alan back with you to break down everything. The good, the bad and the damn right weird stuff going on in Scottish rugby. Absolutely delighted to be back for season five. Matt, how are you feeling? Good man. It's just that you know the the Scottish Italian Shield, as the URC is now calling the conference, that's just been getting me going. You know, through the whole whole summer, it's been getting me through things. So, just just can't wait to see who takes that home. There's, not, there's nothing quite like a brand new confected trophy just to get you excited. It's like when the old Alliance Trophy came in, just added so much extra spice to um, Scotland versus France. Alan, have you had a good summer break? Yeah, no, it's been it's been pretty good. Um, me, me and Matt trekking up in the up in the Highlands at the weekend. Nice little uh, trip away from from the gals, but uh, yeah, plugging on. I, I did think it was interesting. I knew you you guys were on the west coast, and then um, three lorries full of blue WKD got stolen from Ayrshire yesterday, and I wondered if there was any sort of uh, any connection to your your little trip. I mean, post. Post run, I think we said we were looking forward to having some beers. In the end, we had a smoked sausage supper, a Scotch pie, and an iron brew each. So we didn't even have the energy to have a drink, unfortunately. I was actually lying when I said I wanted pints. What we did was exactly what I wanted to do. So it was all good. Smoked sausage supper is an absolutely exact choice as well. Washed down with an iron brew. Unbelievable. I I actually went battered, if I'm honest. Did you? Yeah, I'm all about the battered sausage. Well, let us know, listeners, whether you prefer smoked sausage or battered sausage on Twitter. That's at Thistle uh, Rugby Pod. Um, we've kicked off the season with some lovely memes and some content over there on Instagram as well. That's Thistle understroke rugby understroke pod. We're going to get the newsletter back going um, this year. Lots of really interesting stuff planned for that. So make sure you're subscribed. That's over on Substack. That's Thistle Scottish Rugby podcast and as ever we can dip into the mailbag we've got some predictions from you guys um late for the season coming up in the mailbag which we'll get into later that is the thistle rugby at gmail.com and as ever you can find us wherever you get your podcasts but if you fancy it get yourself onto itunes and give us a review that will help other scottish people scottish rugby fans that are so lost that they're not following the thistle that will help them find us um, when they're looking for new Scottish rugby content there. So get yourself onto iTunes, leave us a review, 
um, and then we will enjoy the season together. So, lads, we'll kick things off with just a little bit of news. We'll talk about the Women's uh, World Cup qualifying campaign, which is reaching ahead this weekend. Then we're going to talk about Glasgow, who have just dropped their team for the opening match against Ulster. Then have a look at Edinburgh, and then we'll talk about our predictions um, later on. So, looking at the Women's uh, World Cup qualifiers, they started off with a, a fairly heavy loss to Italy, then bounced back to beat Spain last weekend, setting up a uh, really big fixture against Ireland, which could, um, t- which will decide whether or could decide their um, position at the Rugby World Cup um, next year. Matt, you've been keeping an eye on these things. How, how have the women looked in the, in the in the two games so far? Yeah, I think they'll be disappointed with the Italy game. Um, need to bear in mind that, that Italy are, are far better at the women's level than, than at the men's. But if you looked at that Scotland team, it was it was almost full strength. I think you had you know your your Lisa Thompson's, Helen Nelson's and, and Jade Conker was back. So I think there were quite positive noises going into the game and they'll be disappointed, albeit that the opposition are pretty good. Um but then it was it was nice to see things click in the in the Spain game. Um once again Jade Conkle made a huge difference. Just her carrying is absolutely incredible at that level. Um, and Scotland scored some nice tries out in the backs. So obviously it's all to play for for this weekend. And, and obviously coming off the back of a win in what's a pretty open group is, is setting them up quite nicely. Absolutely. And what can they expect from, um, from Ireland, um, Alan? Ireland, it's been quite interesting, the, um, the results so far amongst all these teams in the group. Yeah, so obviously Ireland beat Italy last week, which I think makes you sort of automatically sort of worry for the for the Scotland team. But ultimately, in the first on opening weekend, actually Spain beat Ireland. So I think you know it's it's kind of all up for all up for grabs. And I think in the the last game I remember Scotland playing Ireland was in the sort of twenty twenty six Nations, where it was quite a close loss away in Dublin. So I think a lot of the Scotland players will be like quietly sort of confident that they can do a job on the Irish. I think if they win. They're guaranteed to not be kicked out. Is I'm putting it. So basically, if they they need to get into the top two, and by winning, they automatically will put themselves into the top two. If you win the group, that's them automatically into the World Cup. If they come second in the group, that's them into this repechage tournament with Samoa, Colombia, and probably Japan. And one of those four will then get um get into the World Cup. So. No, it's it's good. You look the fact they've managed to bounce back after quite a heavy defeat against Italy. Hopefully, sort of the mood in camp is is good and they can kick on. I did not know that Colombia was a rugby playing nation. It's a good point. Um, I mean, I, I can't even think of a sort of men's team that's come from there. Obviously, Argentina, and then you see obviously Chile and sort of Paraguay and sometimes Brazil, but Colombia yeah. from a sort of men's rugby standpoint never really seemed to sort of crop up. But yeah, women just crushing the, it. Yeah, they're in the third tier of men's rugby. So there you go. They are uh, their, their most recent fixture. I can't even find it on their... Uh, there's a lot of details. <laughs> They've got a toucan as their, um, on their badge, as their like sort of emblem, where we've got the thistle, they've got a toucan. So it's actually a really nice badge. So good on. I'm now a Columbia Ultra, I think. Um, See, they actually literally just beat Kenya yes. a, couple of, a couple of weeks ago to keep the World Cup dreams alive. <laughs> Colombia against Kenya is such a like elite oh, picture. Wait, wait, that's the women's team. Ignore me. I don't. <laughs> wow. There we go. I'm now going to take a keen interest in the Colombian rugby football uh, nation. Um, but obviously taking a keen interest in the Ireland-Scotland game at the weekend. Saturday, 5pm, it's live on BBC Alba, so everybody can watch that and you should be doing that Kick off your Saturday evening, right? And hopefully the girls can uh, get themselves into that top two um, and get themselves along to the uh, the Rugby World Cup. So lots of interesting stuff to look forward to there. But before we get to that international on Saturday, Glasgow kick off their United Rugby Championship season against familiar foes Ulster. Um, 
they have just announced their team. Um, so this is on Friday night. And as I frantically pull it up in front of me, um, they've uh, named their 15 that's going to take them on. Quite an interesting side. Not least the first name on the list is somebody that I'm not even sure has been announced as a Glasgow player. Um, Brad Thayer, hope I'm saying that right, um, will join Johnny Matthews and Simon Bergen in the front row. Second row's familiar partnerships, Scott Cummings and Richie Gray. Back row, Ryan Wilson, and then two new lads, Rory Dodge and Jack Dempsey, or relatively new in Dodge's case. Um, back line, George Horn, great to see him back um, in the number nine jersey, partnering Dunkey Weir, returning to Scotland. Sam Johnson and uh, new man Sione Tupolotu in the centres, and then a absolutely Jets back three, Rufus McLean, Kyle Stain, and Cole Forbes. So that's coming up tomorrow night. Matt, I'll come to you first. Looking a bit more broadly at Glasgow's sort of end of the season and the, the recruitment they've done over the summer, how are you feeling about Glasgow coming into the new to the new campaign? Yeah, it's an interesting one because at maybe sort of three quarters through last season and results were not going Glasgow's way and there weren't really many signings in the pipeline. I think at that point, maybe you had Duncan Weir and, and Batty and Bergen announced. Um, but then in the period after that, results have obviously picked up the young guys, the Thompsons, the McLeans, the Cole Forbes, uh, Rory Dars coming from Edinburgh. They've all really stepped up. And then you've had you know, this kind of flurry of, of signings announced, the likes of Jack Dempsey, Josh Mackay, Tupelotu, and the Argentinian guys, Miotti Cancelier. You're kind of thinking, right, actually, this Glasgow squad is in a far better position than it than maybe we thought. Uh, and I think particularly you look at that team that's been announced, there's obviously a few guys missing. Like at first choice, you'd probably have Fraser Brown. You'd obviously have Fagerson and Price when they came when they came back from, from being rested. And particularly that back line, you look at it and think, you know, they could cause some surprises and, and cause some upsets. And there's there's enough in, in that in the spine of that team to suggest that Glasgow should actually have a pretty decent season, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Alan, obviously kicking off their, their match against Ulster, they will not have brand new signing Dwayne Vermeulen, but Ulster, a typically typically solid side in the Pro 12-14 URC. Just quickly, first remember, I'm sure Danny Wilson said back in May that there was like one more big, big signing to come. Do you think uh, it's this Brad Thire lad just under the radar. <laughs> Didn't want to make too big a fuss about it, but he's the he's the final piece of the puzzle. Because I, I can't think of another signing that's come in since Danny Wilson said that. I'm sure someone will come back and say that um, he did. But no, I think we were sort of talking a little bit sort of um, offline that Ulster is this team where I think when you look at Leinster and Munster, and it's probably because we just had a lot more exposure to them through sort of um, Europe. But you, a lot of the time you look at their teams and you, you, you do think they're just strong. Whereas I think with Ulster, a lot of the time, so look at the squad and if I'm honest, it's a lot of the team, especially in sort of the, the pack, that I don't have a kind of a really strong knowledge of. Or I kind of feel mm. like oh, Ulster are a team that are there for the taking. However, when you obviously look back, especially the last couple of years, Ulster have been very strong. I think the last time we went to Ravenhill, we got absolutely pumped, something like 40 to 15, or Glasgow did. And I think it's probably not something to be underestimated. I think it's going to be a really, I mean, it's a really tough opening fixture Friday night at the Kingspan away to Ulster. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just looking at Glasgow's sort of opening their account in the URC, their first um, sort of six matches that take us into um, that take us into the 1872 Cups over um, over Christmas. Ulster, then they're at home against the Sharks next um, Saturday, which is a very interesting proposition of the new South African teams coming in, followed up by the Lions. Then they get a nice little trip down to Zebra. Then it's Leinster, then Benetton. Um, and the dragons. So it's a real sort of, it's, I hadn't quite appreciated until you see it written down on paper, the quite the interest that them having like the sharks in there adds to a sort of fixtures list that you used to sort of in the pro 14, every couple of weeks, you might get a sort of a, a lower ranked sort of Welsh or Italian side. Um, but what impact do you think that having these four higher quality South African teams is going to have um, on the Scottish team's chances, Matt? 
Well, am I right in thinking that under the new URC format, players won't will still be available? There, there won't be internationals away for quite a few of the games this year. Well, they're not. There's no games. There's no URC fixtures on yeah. international weekends now. We all know that the Scotland lads will be in camp for a couple of weeks before the November internationals, but you would hope that mm. the fact that there isn't any actual competing fixtures will mean that there's a little bit more interest. But yeah. yeah. Apart, apart, so apart it, from the fact that South Africa are playing New Zealand this weekend, so loads mm. of South Africans aren't here. That's a uh, very good point. <laughs> Going um, forward. I just, I just, <laughs> I just make the point in terms of, uh, obviously, Glasgow... Um, contribute a lot of players to the the international setup and that has been a disadvantage in the past uh you know obviously Leinster do but in the same way but they they have a lot more strength and depth so that that might work in their in their favor i mean ultimately they the same as edinburgh they're they're in arguably the best group in terms of getting through the fact that they only have to compete against the the italians for placings um so it'll be interesting to see what the South Africans are like because I saw the Lions had named their team um, for their opening fixture. And it is just different to like a few years ago when you'd expect a few of the South African national team to be in that squad. Whereas obviously they're, you know, they've got South African New Zealand this weekend, but there's still like not many household names in that Lions team. Um, and you have seen obviously a lot of players leave South African shores in, in recent seasons. But yeah, if you can... Maybe you can sell Warriors against the the Sharks. Like I think the Tile Sharks, however you want to sell it, is is like a reasonably well known rugby brand. Sell sell sea sharks. Sell sea sharks. Okay. Um, <laughs> I I'm I'm worried that the the South African team is going to be sort of a very very underwhelming. I think you saw the Bulls when they played Benetton just before the Lions tour, when obviously a lot of their players were with the wider South African squad, were pretty weak and actually Benetton quite easily um, took them down. And I appreciate that Benetton were the the Rainbow Cup um, champions, but I actually don't think that Benetton team is is as strong as that suggests. And I think, I imagine, especially in these sort of first sort of few weeks and, and months, that those South African teams might actually see quite a sort of significant number of losses. Which isn't a bad thing for Edinburgh, seeing as they've got Sharks and Lions early doors, right? Yeah, for Glasgow. So they've got them in uh, the next couple of weeks. So we will get a very early look at uh, at the South African lads and how they are looking. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll come on to do our predictions towards the, the, the tail end. Um, I think Glasgow have got a lot of names in there that are probably going to be challenging for sort of uh, young breakthrough star and things like that. Really exciting stuff down that side of, uh, of the M8s. On the Edinburgh side of the coin, also lots of new faces, not least um, a new coach in um, Scotland Scrum Half, um, Mike Blair, they kick off their campaign on Saturday against the Scarlets um, at the uh, newly named ERS. I think it's at the ERS, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Which is which will be very very good. Hopefully, see that full. Um, same sort of opening gambit then, Matt. As I asked you for the Glasgow squad, so taking into con- consideration everything that's happened over the summer with them, uh, change of coach and new personnel coming in, how do you think Edinburgh are looking coming into the uh, coming into the season? Yeah, there, there is actually uh, quite a lot of churn in that squad. Uh, the sort of significant departures are obviously Duhan and and Rory Sutherland. I, I think that they will miss. Duhan more than Sutherland, just because I don't think there's there's not a player like Duhan arguably in world rugby at the moment, and certainly not um, on Edinburgh's books. Um, but on the, on the flip side of that, Buffelli last week for Argentina scored, I think, all his team's points against uh, New Zealand. Like he he is arguably a world class operator, and and probably has a, a, a bit of a better rugby brain than than Duhan, and that maybe feeds into the way that Mike Blair wants to play. Um, I think similarly missing Aruni Sao just seems like a, a really odd one to to lose. Um, but I think that some of the signings that have been made make more sense now that Mike Blair is is in the hot seat. Um, 
And I, I am particularly interested in how they use Ben Bellicott and James Lang because in recent seasons, you've seen that Edinburgh's forward pack has been their strength in the backs, despite having some really good players in there, haven't quite clicked. Um, and by the sounds of things, James Lang was, was very impressive when he came on last week. And Bellicott's looking pretty sharp. His style is more suited to Blair than Cockrell. And even Bennett's looking like he's getting into the game a bit more. So it'd be interesting to see how those players are, are sort of fitted into the Blair style and whether they, they actually do try and play a more expansive game. Agreed. Oh, sorry, Alan. I was just going to ask you what, what your views were. No, I was going to say, I think, I think Edinburgh got a little going for them. I think the pitch looks great. And from sort of people we've spoken to, it sounds like it's, um, it's actually got quite a good atmosphere. I think the strips look real good. I'm like, I'm liking the away Edinburgh strip this year. I, are you like, are you loving the orange? Do you know what? I didn't like it at the time, but I think when you look at the burnt orange now versus what Edinburgh used to have, it's such a step up. And I actually think the, the burnt orange strip this year is quite elite. 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 Wow. Yeah, I'm throwing I'm throwing it out there. Well, I'll bear uh, that in mind when it's definitely on sale at Christmas when they won't because <laughs> they, they won't have sold any of them. <laughs> I, it's one of those shirts where I think it looks good on a professional player playing, yes. but clearly is something that no actual adult should ever purchase for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> stick Agreed. that stick that on your marketing materials. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like it's you know, if you are walking around casually in an Edinburgh away shirt, I think that's quite weird. <laughs> I don't know. You, you you do know who our target audience is for this um, podcast, on? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, maybe. Well, yeah. Apologies. Um, and then yeah, what are your, your thoughts on um, Hamish Watson's new lid? I think he looks great. I was watching an interview with him in front of the Kelpies, and I was like, that. I think I know the mullet was good, but he's. I think he's raw, he's looking good these days. He looks pretty smart, yeah. Yeah, no, I it like. Does it. look sharp. Um. So yeah, and for the, so for those three reasons, I'm I'm pretty pro Edinburgh doing well this year. But no, it's um I'm I'm quite excited for Edinburgh. I think the two issues are centres and whether James Lang can sort of sort that out because I think ultimately. <laughs> I do love the prince, but he's he's probably struggled to kind of creatively crack open that sort of back line. I think Bennett's always sort of struggled. And I think whilst obviously people like Taylor and Johnston kind of bring a lot, I think when it comes to those sort of big, big matches, they, they've all sort of struggled a little bit. So I think James Lang is is super, super important. And then the one other one I was wondering about, keen to get you guys' thoughts, is, is sort of that front five. I just wonder whether... I feel like it, it was an area of strength and increasingly just thinking, looking at those sort of that lot pairing of Gilchrist and Tulis and whether they've just both maybe over the last sort of 12, 18 months just lost a little bit of form, obviously getting a little bit older. People like WP Nell sort of getting getting a little bit older. And it's just whether that front five is maybe going to have lost some of that bite that it had kind of a couple of years ago. Yeah. I think mm. you're more obviously with Sutherland gone, Showman and this Luan de Bruyne, the South African lad, be interesting to see how he beds in. I think it could be quite a big season for Jamie Hodgson. You know, at that younger age profile yeah. coming through in the second row, played a lot of minutes last year. Um, and I think, was he called into a, a sort of wider Scotland squad at one stage? Yeah. So I think he, it, how he performs um, could be really, really interesting to, to, to look at. Um, but yeah, I think the fact that De Bruyne is a tight head as well just means that, you know, de- depending on, you know, you've got a slight decision between him and Nell, but you can still put out a front a front row of Schumann, McAnally or Cherry and De Bruyne and think like, you know what, that's good enough to compete against pretty much everyone in the in the URC. Yeah. Um, I think you're right about Gilchrist and Tulis. Although I think T- Tulis was, had quite a lot of injuries last year. Um, and he's one of those players that maybe when he's, you don't notice him until he's absent um, and he makes quite a big difference. But I, th- I think you're right about Hodgson. And they seem to really like Marshall Sykes, who was getting quite a lot of game time yep. at the end of last season. Um, so I, th- I think there's probably enough there. Yeah. 
Well, I think it's a good point about Marshall Sykes, who I think, to your point, was getting some good time, good game time, was getting some good plaudits, and just makes me a little bit more confused as to why Glasgow potentially um, shipped him across across the M8, given the fact yeah. that once Cummings is, you know, obviously I appreciate that URC games aren't on the same days as internationals, but ultimately Cummings is going to be rested throughout the season, and Richie Gray is inevitably going to be injured for probably more than half. Yeah. You're sort of let you're sort of left with sort of Kieran McDonald and. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Lewis Bean and then people like Rob Harley. And you've it's, it's fine, but it's it feels like someone like Glasgow could have used someone like Marshall Sykes this season. Yeah, well, we will. It's uh, we will see how that goes on. Edinburgh opened their account against the Scarlets um, before going away to Benetton, then welcoming the Stormers and the Bulls back to back weekends in uh, the middle of October, and then a lovely little away game to Zebra um, before that autumn international break. Um, what do you make of that sort of that sort of opening opening gambit? Scarlets and Benetton, not bad first two. Yeah, I think it should definitely be aiming to to win those games. And you know, we, we didn't really we didn't really talk about the fact that they do have this new stadium, which yeah, from from the the friendly games that they've or game that they've played there and, and the open day that they did, like it looks really good actually. And it's maybe sounds obvious that you know it make a difference when Edinburgh get their own stadium, but I think that it's it's just the right size to hopefully, you know, get a good crowd this weekend and and make it at least feel like it's packed out and, and mm. a proper atmosphere. Um, and the pitch, I think, you know, would suit should suit the Blair style of play. Um, so I think that that should make a big difference. Having a home game at the start against, I think they should be aiming to win that game. Uh, followed up by obviously like a, a slightly easier match potentially. It, I think to have could, three almost, out of three out of their first five games at home. And two of those home games being that sort of slightly peaked interest, you know, with the Stormers and the Bulls coming to coming to Edinburgh for the first time. You would hope that people are going to be buying tickets for those, getting down there, filling it out. Um, so you could, you would hope that that would, should give Edinburgh a nice little platform into the season. Yeah, and I also think with the Scarlets, not only are they, I think, on average, not a particularly strong team they're also going to be actually missing quite a few lions who obviously can't start mm. them and, and do sort of make quite a big difference whether it's sort of win jones ken owens liam williams etc so mm. no it feels i think i think it feels like edinburgh should they be coming into this game with a lot of confidence but i think if they can get that sort of 9 to 13 axis working I feel like you should be going into the season with quite a lot of confidence for making quite a big push at a minimum, winning their obviously pool, but kind of going quite far in the URC. Well, that's a lovely little segue opportunity. Thank you very much for that, Alan, into our predictions for the new season. So we've got nine categories, which we should uh, canter through, but let's start that off with um, Edinburgh predictions, both for the URC and then uh, looking into Europe as well. So, what what do you what do you reckon? What does far into the URC look like for you, Alan? Well, I think 
as I say, so what they've got the four groups, and I think yep. ultimately Edinburgh should win. I actually see Edinburgh coming ahead of Glasgow in the group. I think they should come top two, but I think Edinburgh have got just enough to beat to beat Glasgow in the group. And then I don't know. It, it gets a little bit tough, but I think for Edinburgh, if the object that should be sort of the key objective, and then get into playoff rugby and sort of take take it from there. So similarly for Glasgow, you think get get through into playoffs? Yeah, exactly. Don't win the group, but given the fact that you've got obviously additional games against the Italians rather than the Irish, try and make sure you get in that sort of top top eight for um for the playoffs. Absolutely, Matt. You happy with that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I suppose my my only fear would be, you know, if I if I play devil's advocate slightly, it's that Edinburgh are in a bit of transition at the moment, um, and you know are, are trying will probably be trying to play a different style. But I do think it's a style that suits quite a lot of their players. Um, and as long as like you can kind of keep some of the good bits from Cockerell, then yeah, I, I'm quite excited to see how they go. I think the piece with Edinburgh as well is, and uh, I don't know how helpful this is, but they're in the Challenge Cup, so yeah. ha- have a lot less pressure from a sort of European standpoint as well. And I think, whilst obviously again, URC is not going to be hit as much by international rugby. I think looking at that Edinburgh team, they're probably going to have less players going with Scotland during Autumn International Six Nations than Glasgow will. Yes, but Edinburgh have um, drawn. Uh, they've got Saracens in their first game in the uh, in the cha- in the Challenge Cup, so that's good fun. Yeah, and they London li- <laughs> and London Irish. It's quite yeah. a bl- quite a bleak group, actually. It is quite a bleak group. Um, and Glasgow have obviously drawn um, Exeter and La Rochelle in oh. in the Champions Cup as well. So tricky, looking tricky on a European stage for for the Scottish sides. Would you say? Just bin it all. Just don't even compete. Do like, <laughs> um, was it like Man United in the, the, the League Cup? Just put the kids out. Just, <laughs> just focus on crushing the URC. That, that being said, Glasgow at La Rochelle away for your birthday this December. That's going to be, that's one for the Guinness books. That's going to be great. It's going to be the best day. And then I can't wait. It's going to be the most amount of fear the next day when I have to fly back. <laughs> <laughs> the smash and grab job on the Saturday. Yeah. Is why, we need, to, is, is why we need to push buy me a coffee. Buymeacoffee.com slash officials. <laughs> it's a consider it a birthday purpose. present to Alan. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. For a trip down to uh to, to La Rochelle, which we buy Alan a pint of Stella Artois in La Rochelle. <laughs> exactly. Um, um stick well that's if we look at that as our sort of URC and European um predictions. Talking about the new newcomers, who do you think is gonna be the best new signing for Edinburgh and Glasgow this year? I was just Alan, looking I'll at, start with you. Or sorry. Matt, you go ahead. Um I just had one for Glasgow that I think a really interesting signing who's maybe gone under the radar a bit would be Ali Miller. Um mm. because I think towards the end of his, you know, he didn't have really shot Edinburgh for a long time, went to the sevens. It looked like that might be the direction of his career. But then when he got a shot at Edinburgh, when Mata was injured or away, he showed up really well. And we've been crying out at Glasgow for a long time for a, a big ball carrier. Um, who's also, he's got good skills. Like, I think he's kind of the, the slight under the radar signing that could, that could do really well. Interesting one, Alan. What do you think? No, I think I think the Ali Miller one is. Um, I'm I'm quite interested to see. I really really hope he can sort of kick on because he's obviously kind of stalled for a little bit the last couple of years. The the sort of harem of Argentinians. I just don't know, man, what they're going to be like. <laughs> Miotti for Glasgow, obviously at fly half. You know, it'd be interesting to see how they sort of manage him with with Ross Thompson and Duncan Duncan Ware. I mean. Clearly, obviously, plays for Haguares and in and around the Argentina squad. It'd be interesting to see what, what he brings. And then Buffelli, who obviously scored that try against New Zealand at the weekend and is in the in the Edinburgh squad, which mm. be interesting to see again how they sort of use him potentially in a back line with Blair Kinghorn and, and Darcy Graham as sort of a starting, starting kind of back three. Um, 
it's I I I just never quite know kind of what what level um you know you put Cancellari into that as well. I'm excited for them, but I really do think it could go both ways. <laughs> and what about um? It won't be for a wee while now, but how excited are you about Josh Mackay arriving in uh, Glasgow? Again, you know, Josh Mackay is a great like YouTube highlights reel. <laughs> But there's ultimately a reason why he's not managed to kick on from Canterbury to sort of super rugby, right? Um, so it'll be interesting to to see sort of how he manages that transition. I think I, I am sort of confident that I think he'll be able to, you know, be similar similar to someone like Cole Forbes, who's seems to sort of transition relatively easily. And to be fair, Cole Forbes had a lot less kind of professional rugby experience in New Zealand than, than Josh Mackay did. But yeah, when they get that back three on the pitch of Josh McKay, Cole Forbes and Rufus McLean, that is absolute filth. Cannot wait to see it. Yeah. Very, very exciting. Um, let's skip on then to, let's do some Scotland stuff, looking ahead to the Autumn Internationals where we've got Tonga, Australia, South Africa and Japan coming to um, Murrayfield. What do you reckon, Matt? Four out of four, two out of four. It's a tough one. I I think they will beat Tonga. Um, Japan's a tough one. Like I, it's not the same Japan team that that did so well at the World Cup. So I think Scotland will have enough to to overcome them and be pretty motivated. I could see them beating Australia, but Australia also are on a obviously a decent run of form at the moment, and Dave Rennie seems to be sorting them out. I'm probably making them into a kind of team that, I don't know, Scotland maybe don't want to play against. I think South Africa is the most interesting one because mm. on the face of it, maybe a couple of weeks ago, you would have said, God, that's probably not a game I necessarily want to go to um, or one that Scotland have a good chance of winning. But on the back of their recent results, and they, I've just got this image of, of, of Finn and Townsend like taking the game to South Africa and almost proving a point on the back of the Lions tour. So I think that'll be the most interesting one. And if we can beat South Africa by playing that kind of rugby, you know, I think that would be a pretty successful autumn in itself. Mm. That is the narrative. That is the strongest narrative line, which is always (laughs) what I'm inclined to follow. Um, Alan, what do you reckon? Yeah, sort of similar views. I think ultimately, I think you could see Scotland going through the Autumn Internationals and only winning one game and at the same time winning all, <laughs> yeah. winning all, winning all four games, right? Um, I, and I agree. I think the Scotland-South Scotland, Africa match, just both in terms of narrative, but also in terms of style, feels like the the most interesting match. I I feel like they should have put that, like a, that's got to be like a 7pm. I know they've put it at like 2 or 3, but that feels like that mm. on a Saturday night, lights out at Murrayfield would have been unbelievable <laughs> would be banging I, just I think, think about I, the bbc montage department sorry the amazon <laughs> montage department they're just going to be doing so much finn russell winking at alan win jones like that <laughs> that opening phase of play from the lions is going to be like seared into the back of everyone's retinas by the end of the autumn 100 percent. <laughs> so no i think they've they've missed missed a trick there because you know Autumn international matches or evening matches at Murrayfield when it's when it's dark are always sort of the best the best atmosphere. Yeah. Amazing. Um, and yeah, they seem to have kind of picked off. It's like a two. They're all sort of between sort of one and three o'clock, I think, if I I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, I, and I think you're right in terms of. I think we always at the, for the last couple of years we've always thought. I think Australia are always a little bit harshly critiqued just because they have to play New Zealand or they have had to play New Zealand so much, especially during sort of the COVID era, um, both in terms of like club and country. But it does feel like Rennie is bringing a little bit more of a kind of harder edge to this Australia team. Mm. And yeah, I think it's it's both the South Africa and Australia games are both really great tests of this Scotland team who ultimately have come off a pretty successful Six Nations, what was it, three wins? You know, probably going into the Six Nations with pretty high hopes of, of going further, especially with England and France at home. And, you know, maybe I actually don't think Wales are going to be that strong. So, look, I think um, 
I'm, I'm, I'm calling it now. So four wins for Scotland. <laughs> Get it. <laughs> like, we'll come, we'll come back market. to everyone on this. <laughs> that is Alan's sure thing. We'll come back to you with a, a bookie's price on that one. But looking ahead to the Six Nations, just touching it there, Alan. England and France at home. Predictions there. Let's put gets get the crystal balls out, Matt. How are you feeling about the Six Nations? Uh, yeah, I think that you, you know, I, I wish the Lions had gone a bit differently in terms of the, the end results, but you need to remember like the the value of having so many Scots on that tour, um, mm-hmm. and hopefully they would have come away from it thinking, yeah, you know what, we're we're no different, or we're potentially better than some of our home nations rivals. Um, and being able to take that confidence in, into the games, and I think, you know, barring any injuries, that first fifteen that that Scotland can put out, I, I think on its day can beat anyone, right? Um, I think it's maybe like moving away from the underdogs tags and, and being comfortable being favourites is mm. is kind of the next step because, in a way, we will be we should be favourites to win against England potentially and, and France at home. Um, I mean, the, the other, Ireland and Wales, Ireland away from home is always going to be a sticking point. They know how to beat us. Um, but, you know, we've got to break that duck sometime. Yeah. We, we absolutely do. Just dipping into the mailbag, Ewan M sent through his predictions um, about Scotland's autumn results. It says two wins, Japan and Tonga, one respectable loss to the Aussies and one caning from the box, followed up by three wins from Italy, Wales, um, and France, thanks very much for that, Ewan. Um, Alan, how are you? How are you feeling about the Six Nations? Yeah, good. Just check. There's no like Autumn Nations Cup this year. It's just Autumn Internationals, right? There's no like cup, weird cup that's being played for. Um, it's called like the Guinness Autumn Series, but I don't know if there's actually I don't something. Think there's not. There's not pools or anything. I don't think. No, no, I didn't think so. The Six Nations, I think it'd be interesting to see. I think it'd be interesting off the back of the Autumn Internationals. And I just think ultimately a lot of it, again, is going to come down to sort of Price and Finn. And I think if, well, it comes down to Price and Finn and whether the pack can compete with a couple of those, essentially with France, England and Ireland. If that pack can get parity with those three teams and Price and Finn are on form, we can beat any of the teams in the Six Nations, right? Yeah. Um, it's just those are the, those are the two key questions, I think, and and especially away to Ireland. To your point, Matt, I can't remember the last time we were, we were really away at Ireland. Mate, oh, now I say that I was going to say two years ago it wasn't actually too too bad in the when Hog dropped it. Was that when Hog dropped it over the line? Yeah, yeah that yeah. was Jan twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, pre-COVID. Um, that was probably the first time in a long time that I remember Scotland in Dublin, kind of getting a bit of parity mm. up front. And, you know, apart from that mistake and a couple of, you know, and ultimately had quite a lot of injuries, right? Nick Hading was starting eight and to be fair, had an absolute worldie. Had but a worldie, if, no, the asterisk. So he had a worldie 20 minutes and then he was really tired. Mate, Hading <laughs> is like, a, should be like a super sub for Scotland. He has a world-class 20 minutes in it. He does. He generally does. And just just get him on for the last twenty, and just let him blow himself out. Um, but no, it'd be I think it'd be off the back of the Autumn Internationals, and again, you sort of go into that six Six Nations with you know very easily Scotland coming out of it with with one win, and and very easily kind of competing for to win it. So no, looking forward to it. Feeling good about Scottish rugby this year. It feels like every season preview we've probably said. You know, we need a pack that can get parity against the big teams in the Six Nations, but ultimately we'll be fine. I feel like if we read, if we listened back to all of these episodes over the last five years, we would be saying exactly the same thing. I think in that pack, though, we just need to. One of the key things is injuries. Yeah. Ultimately, if we go if we go into those early games and we've got Johnny Gray, Cummings, Skinner, Richie Watson, both Fergusons, probably. And, Turner and Sutherland all fit and firing. Then again, we've got a chance. We've got a chance of definitely at a minimum sort of having parity with a lot of those packs. But as we've always seen, once you sort of take a couple of those lads out and you start with, again, I'm I'm using Nick Hayden, which is a terrible example, but 
someone like Nick Heening, for example, or Ryan Wilson's coming in off the bench for his 50th yeah. cap, the, the depth just still is not there and it's not going to be there, right? Mm. So we, I think we've got to be a bit lucky, especially over the next kind of like couple of months as we in the run up to the Six Nations, hope, hoping that everyone stays relatively fit. Yeah, that next wave of depth, particularly in that back row area, you're talking about your Darges, your Millers, your Muncasters, who are just at the sort of the beginning of their careers. Mm. So they're just they're probably just a few years too early. Um, but exciting. I mean, one predictable thing if we've listened back over our five years is weird, mad shit happening in Scottish rugby. Um, I've got one. I think I think the SRU are going to launch a digital currency this year. I think they're just going to they'll go completely off off script and launch like Murrayfield coin and you'll only be able to like trade it in for drinks and Scotland stash. That's I think that's where Dodson's at. He's going to buy into the digital currency world. How about uh, like an, an NFT of yes. Um I'm trying to think of kind of iconic of, of kind of big gav at Murrayfield or something an NFT of that. An NFT of Finn and um, uh, Laidlaw laid in Why Not, yeah, yeah. absolutely shit-faced. <laughs> Fuck, we should create that NFT. I know, I know. We've got to get ahead of the game. <laughs> I would love it to be Dogecoin Murrayfield and just like Doge, <laughs> Dogecoin just like on the stadium. Dodson's taking the cash, paid all in Dogecoin. He leaves it there. Let's just take take the risk. Bank the vo- Even though it's volati- there's a lot of volatility, it'd be a great run. Great ride. Ryan Wilson, I've noticed on Twitter, he's all over uh, crypto he's and NFTs. Crypto. Yeah. So maybe, maybe he's kind of the, the man. He's got the end. He's got the knowledge. So maybe it'll be Dogecoin Scotston. They'll test out the um, the partnership <laughs> at, a, at a club level. Imagine that, Alan. Your November test under the it, under the lights at Murrayfield, and everything just drops, and there's just like a sort of like Batman style beacon of the Dogecoin symbol just being like fired around <laughs> Murrayfield. <laughs> just having a look at Ryan Wilson's Twitter, he's like, anyone into the NFTs, check out these guys at Baby Boomer NFT. <laughs> I saw, yeah, I saw that this morning. <laughs> I think we should do it. We should create the Finn uh, the Finn and Laidlaw NFT. Ryan Wilson got myself a penguin fight NFT. <laughs> Is he all right? It's bonkers. <laughs> well, that is what we, that is the sort of mad shit that you can expect in Scottish rugby. I, I just think somebody's going to, they're going to be something to do with digital currency. You buying no, your lunch there, Matt? Uh, I might be, yeah. <laughs> what are you getting? Uh, I've got, um, Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I've got a. Um, I, I kind of panicked. Didn't know what to get. So I've got a, a Deliveroo Subway footlong on the way. Oh, I know. How oh, good? Well, and, and then you popped over snacks. Yeah, popped over snacks as well. I'm out about What did you get on the? What did you get at Subway? What's your order? Uh, footlong Italian BMT. Oh, absolute classic. Classic. Well, we better we better we better wrap up and let you let you get back to your, get back to your footlong. The last category before we finish up. Um, actually, no, I've got one good um, notable mad shit from Alistair McCaig, which I think is is not that mad, but he thinks that following his star-studded Six Nations performance, Ali Price is bought out of his contract at Glasgow by Racing Ninety Two to join Ooh. Finn Russell in his last year as Racing contract, which. You would love to see. I think be- Teddy Teddy Ariburan is actually, uh, despite his appearances, like mid thirties. So maybe there's an opening there. Maybe there is an opening there. Very very exciting. Um, Richard Gray also emailed. He he um, agrees with you, Matt, on Marshall Sykes being a breakthrough star for the year, which you um, love to see. Um, so thanks very much for all your emails. That's the Thistle Rugby at gmail.com. Um, um, any other business, lads? All good. Can't wait. Okay. For, I'm actually quite excited for, the, for this weekend, actually. Yeah, feels, yeah, a yeah. Lo- feels a long time since the Rainbow Cup. Appreciate yeah. a lot of stuff. The, hel- the halcyon days of the Rainbow Cup. Oh, be good. Yeah, looking absolutely looking forward to it. A bit of Friday night rugby to kick us off. Um, we will be back 
next week, um, talking about the first weekend of the URC. Uh, we'll put our heads together on a newsletter as well. So make sure you get onto Substack and subscribe for that. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends. Get yourself onto iTunes and give us a review. Um, it is an absolute delight to be back for season five um, for another year of complete nonsense um, and some Scottish rugby on the side. Until next week, see you guys soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.